Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Noctis Point, Chapter 7. smoothed a wrinkle out of her slick suit. Sit still, Sarah scolded, then let out an exasperated sigh as long strands of blonde hair slipped down into the princess's face. Now I'll have to start over. For goodness sake, Ariadne said, turning round and grabbing the hair clip out of Sarah's hand. I'm going to a bomb site, literally somewhere that looks like a bomb's hit it. No one's going to be expecting me to be picture perfect. Sarah raised an eyebrow, holding Ariadne's stare and she backed down, huffing back into the seat. Fine. Do whatever it is you have to do. Radiating satisfaction, Sarah went back to work. It's only because she's right, Ariadne thought, knowing it and hating it at the same time. She could barely step out of the palace without two dozen ICAM-augmented paparazzi snapping away. Everything she said was recorded, stored in the cloud somewhere to be edited, remixed, commented upon and broken down into its constituent pixels. Especially something like this, something so fresh and newsworthy. Where do you want me during your walkabout? Sarah said. Stay on the subvoc, Ariadne replied, flicking a soft screen into its hardened state and earning herself a tutting noise from Sarah. Actually, no, see if you can talk to any of the people in the surrounding buildings. She brought up an aerial shot of the ruined comms tower, marvelling that anyone in there had survived. Stats rolled up the side of the picture. Of the 17 people working there, two were hospitalised, one of whom was not expected to recover. Three had not come into work, and the remaining 12 were all pronounced dead at the scene. Looks like one of the shops right next to it got crushed. A satellite dish fell on it. She pointed to the rooftop on the other side, somehow miraculously untouched. Try this one here. Looks like a betting shop. There's a joke in there somewhere, Sarah said, distractedly patting Ariadne's hair. All done. A quiet knock sounded at the door, and a harassed-looking man in his thirties poked his head in. Your skimmer is ready for you, princess. Thank you, Ariadne said, and stood up. She smiled at Sarah. Let's go. Dressed in a modified black slick suit that was more a collection of small pockets than actual bare flesh coverage, Ariadne nevertheless felt she cut a professional figure as she swished out of the room and along the busy corridor. Greeting everyone by name, she cut a swathe down the long red carpet as people leapt out of her way. In the launch bay, a small black skimmer was waiting. Powered by a half-light drive, it had no exhaust to speak of and no gigantic engines, something that Ariadne always found faintly dissatisfying. It was as if it should have giant vents spewing white vapour into the bay, or long glowing thrusters of some sort. It wasn't even a full-power half-light. They weren't going to the moon, after all. The pilot was stood next to his craft. Ariadne smiled warmly. Good morning, James. Good morning, Your Imperial Highness, the pilot said, adjusting his headphones around his neck. The Alira is ready for you. Thank you, Ariadne said, climbing into the comfortable but cramped passenger capsule. She patted the seat affectionately. You like this old thing more than me, Sarah said with a smile. I don't know why I stay around. I know, thought Ariadne, but she smiled back and said, Yes, well, Alira wouldn't do such a good job on my hair, would she? As they lifted off, sudden motion pushing them down in their seats, Sarah strapped herself in. 
Ariadne closed her eyes, thrilling in the gut-wrenching lurches as they soared away from the palace and towards what used to be the United Kingdom. The ocean passed under them at tremendous pace, and before long she could see the sprawling urban clot that London had become. The brown area to the east of the river, the Dimlands according to the map, had a scar that could be seen even from 200 metres up, and as they circled lower she took in more details. They landed in the square outside the remains of the comm centre and disembarked. Ariadne looked around. We looking for anything in particular? Sarah said. No, nothing in particular. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping that just being here gives me some insight into what happened. I got dressed up for this? Sarah looked over at the barrier, 50 metres away. A couple of disinterested-looking police officers were moving to intercept two men whose eye cams glistened in the morning light. Oh, look, reporters. I guess it was all worthwhile, Ariadne smirked. Go check out the shop, like I said. I'll be over... there. She pointed to the mound of rubble and sighed. Somewhere. As she trod carefully over the dust and rocks, passing under the caution crime scene tape left by the P.O., Ariadne felt a deep and overwhelming sadness well up in her. These were just people, doing a job. And what had it brought them to? Smears of blood on slabs of concrete, and all over a war that should never have started. She brought up a map of how the complex had looked. A small, square building, service access from the sewers below for the hardline into the building for the maintenance staff, and, apparently, for the terrorists. She jumped down from the pile into a relatively clear area, boots clicking on grey office tiles. The maintenance tunnel led off from here. Though it was blocked off, the metal door buckled and completely wedged into the frame. She turned around and was about to climb back onto a sloping wall, but stopped and took one last look around. Ariadne frowned. Something didn't quite fit in here, and she tongued the tiny stud in her mouth that activated her subvoc. Sarah? A pause, then. Yes? Got anything there? Maybe. The owner says one of the workers came in here regularly. He liked to bet on the horses, apparently. Invariably got it right. They banned him, though, about a week ago. One of the horses he bet on was involved in a match-fixing thing, and he didn't take too kindly to losing his money. Weird, though. He was betting on them to lose. How were they fixing the horses? Sykes were making them trip. It was in the news. Ariadne ignored the reproachful tone somehow transmitted over the subvoc. The door up from the sewer is destroyed here. They couldn't have set the bomb off and then come through it. She let the thought sit for a moment, then snapped her fingers. Your worker, could he have been a psych? Maybe, Sarah said. Hard to tell. Why? Ariadne looked around herself. The clear area she was stood in was almost a perfect circle. They had a psych. The terrorists, someone working with them, was a psych. Someone who didn't get caught. Meet me back at the Alira. Sarah wrinkled her nose as Ariadne approached. You're covered in brick dust, she said. Do some work one day, you'll be amazed how dirty you get, Ariadne shot back, but her attention was drawn by the man approaching. Princess Ariadne, my name is Brian Daly of Imperial Broadcasting. I wonder if I might get a few words. Ariadne opened her mouth to dismiss him, then saw the little red light on the camera protruding from his eye socket. What could the harm be? You have one minute. Go. Your Imperial Highness, do the events here at Tangram Way have anything to do with the ongoing war in the Jovian system? The facts are that a combined force of Jovians and humans attacked this facility in a terrorist action, Ariadne said. 
I really can't tell you more than that. However, is there any truth to the rumour that a psych was involved in the attack? It's well known that your father doesn't like to deal with psychs after all. How did they get that information so quickly? Or was it a wild guess? A full investigation is underway, of course, and I think the most important thing right now is for me to reach out to the families affected by this. Our hearts go out to all those touched in any way by this sad event, and I urge anyone with any information to come forward to the authorities. Princess Ariadne... I'm afraid there's very little else I can tell you, she replied. Doubtless, when we find out anything more, it will be released through the proper channels. With a nod, Ariadne turned and walked away, leaving the reporter still asking questions. Has any terrorist group claimed responsibility for the attack? Princess Ariadne, I wonder if you could give me just another minute. After a few strides, Sarah joined her. Without looking at her, Ariadne said, He's got one thing right. I think there was another member of the team. They got in, set off the bomb, he or she shielded them, and then got away free. But why? All Sykes are on contract to aid the Empire as soldiers, as PO or researchers, Sarah said. They're mercenaries. Someone obviously paid better, Ariadne said. Either way, it's not a question we're going to be able to answer here. The soft screen in her pocket chimed softly and she took it out, noting the rotating imperial crest on the screen. Yes, father, she said, smiling blankly. Ariadne, the emperor said out of the slightly tinny speaker. Your presence is required. We have council in session after the events at Europa Base 2, and as princess of the realm it is your duty to be well informed. Father, Ariadne said with a sigh, you could just say you'd like me to be there, you know. It doesn't always have to be for duty. Duty is important, he replied stiffly. I will see you in an hour. Yes, father, Ariadne said and cut the signal. Sarah fought back a smile. He really doesn't understand you, does he? Not a bit. Ariadne rolled her eyes. He probably doesn't wonder why the Empire runs so smoothly either. They climbed back into the skimmer, and it took off. Sarah rested her hand on Ariadne's knee. He sees more than he lets on, Ariadne. Be careful. Ariadne shook her head. The trouble is that most of the elected officials are just that, elected. They're selfish and only thinking about their image. I'm the poor sod who's actually got to inherit this place at some point in the future. She looked at her reflection in the window, wondering whether she looked as tired as she felt. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just keeping it together until, well, until then. She kept unsaid the other half of that equation, until father dies. It wasn't like it was even a going concern. Emperor Nicholas Cutter was in good health, only 52 and showing no signs of slowing down. Not a day went by without some hospital having its ribbon cut, or a ship being christened, or some sort of rallying speech over the newscasts. The thing is, Ariadne thought, he doesn't actually do anything important. She mulled over the new information in her mind. One psych had turned against the Empire and allied itself with a terrorist group. It was a dangerous precedent to set. Are you going to tell the Council about the psych? Sarah said, mirroring Ariadne's thoughts perfectly. Not yet, she replied. If I tell them, it'll get out. Can you imagine the chaos? People turning on psychs all over the place. The skimmer landed with the barest of bumps and she opened the door, letting the cool launch bay air gust in. This one, I'm going to have to play close to my chest. You've been listening to part seven of my novel, Noctis Point. Thank you for sharing this podcast with a friend. If you've enjoyed this, please check out stevecookfiction.com for more writing, 
and podcasts.